So we're going to read just the first, uh, first 15 verses of Romans uh, 1. It's kind of Paul writing it and two he's writing it too, but you hear some other things that go along. Uh, in Romans 1, I'll start with what verse 1. Uh, hear the word of God. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also. Or in Rome. The grass withers, uh, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In these verses that we read, what you get is simply uh, at the beginning of a letter. It's an introduction to a letter written just before 60 AD from Paul to, to the church in Rome. And I'm guessing by this part in the week, you've kind of gotten used to a lot of introductions. Uh, you probably met five different people just on your way into RUF or your way trying to find your way around the stadium to get to RUF. Uh, you'll probably meet five more people before you can get out the door unless Maddie tackles you, and then you'll meet five, 50 more people, uh, however she works out. Um, maybe some of you have just met your roommate for the first time. Uh, you're trying to meet people in your hall, meeting new people in your classes, um, in your major, or what have you. And we go through lots of introductions, right? And you kind of, you start to lose track of it all because we keep going back to like the same basic questions. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your major? How'd you get to FSU? Maybe where are you living? Right? We come back to like certain of these basic things and then like after you've met five people, you're like, I don't know what any of their names are. <laughs> um, but what, what, what are we doing? As we're asking those questions, as we're making those introductions, or as you're uh, introducing yourself, we're, we're searching for ways to connect. We, we want there to be relationships, and we're, we're looking to find uh, what is it that matters about this person. As you're introducing yourself, part of what you're doing is, is letting people know maybe some of the things that, that, that matter about you, that you care about, how that you want them to know. A lot of times we just end up like settling for distinctive marks about people like that so-and-so who was really tall and was a good friend of mine uh, in college freshman year and everyone like I think her whole four years referred to her as Catherine with all the red hair because she had this 
just straight, big, red hair, and everyone knew her by us. Catherine, the girl with all the red hair. The most distinctive mark. That's what we sell for. But we, we tend to want to know something more than just like the distinguishing mark. Uh, we want to know what matters to them. Who, who, who are they, really? We want people to, to actually know us. Not just know, oh, there's one of the people from Tampa. Oh, that's one of the people uh, with the name Andrew, or, or what have you. Sorry, Andrew. There you go. There's one Andrew. Um, uh, well, Paul starts this letter with an introduction. Um, he's not just trying to say that it's from him and it's to the people in Romans. He kind of figures they'll get that. It's you know, customary. But he's doing more than that. What he's doing is he's speaking about what matters. He's starting off with a good introduction, a successful introduction, to help them know what it is that matters, um, even when he introduces himself, the first thing he says about himself. What he thinks, what matters most about him. Uh, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Um, you notice the way he introduced himself, or he says a little bit later, set apart for the gospel of God. What's, what's important about Paul in Paul's mind is not just his distinctive features, not his accomplishments. I mean, you know, if I was Paul, I'd be like, this is Paul, the the first and greatest, you know, missionary of the gospel to the known world at the time. <laughs> just, just lay it all out there. You should probably listen to me. I'm the one who's been doing this crisis call. You know, setting it all out there. Uh, but he's not focused on what's it, what it is about him. But he quickly turns to his relationship about something else. About Christ. About the gospel. He's set apart uh, for the gospel of God. And as he goes a little bit further and tries to tell us about this gospel of God, what he tells us about it is that what matters about it is its relation uh, to someone else, to Jesus. It's the gospel uh, concerning his son. I know for some of y'all just being here at RUF uh, for the first time maybe, this is a, an introduction of RUF, of what matters about RUF. Uh, hopefully what you'll find matters about us isn't distinguishing things about how we do this or that, but what I hope that you'll get is that we're about Jesus. Um, and we want to tell you about Jesus uh, from uh, the Bible because we think that he's who matters. But as we get to this passage a little bit, I want you to encourage you, whether you're uh, a Christian or not a Christian, to, to ask yourself uh, this question. What matters about me? Not me. You ask yourself. What matters about, about you, about who you are? If there was a successful introduction of, of you introducing yourself or someone getting to know you, what is it that you want them to know about yourself or you feel known? What matters about you? Because here we have a successful introduction, not just author and letters and recipients, uh, but an, it's an introduction of the gospel, of the heart and soul of Christianity, uh, which believes that the gospel is the heart and soul of all of life, past, present, and future, because Jesus is Lord over all things. So first point, if we're going through it, that I want to bring out to you from the text, is as, as Paul is introducing the gospel, uh, he introduces it as the gospel of Jesus. Shocking, right? Shocking. Like, oh, his, his exegesis is penetrating. He's really drawing out the text here. Uh, the gospel is, it feels about a surprise to say, at FSU, most of us at FSU, we pull for the Seminoles. <laughs> Uh, some of you realize that, but a lot of people around here are Seminoles. There's this game coming up. We're hoping that the Seminoles are going to win, not to. Um, or to go in the math department and realize that people in the math department tend to be pretty good at math. Right? They're like, okay, and the gospel's about Jesus. I get it, right? Um, but here's what I want you to notice about it. Uh, that it's not, it's not just self-referential. 
the gospel is not just about the gospel. It's not just good news to say good things or, or positive things. Uh, it, it's to announce something, it's to declare something about someone else. Um, it, it's pointing us uh, that way. It's not self-referential. So I want to ask you, what is it outside of yourself that matters to who you are? Uh, what is it outside of you that matters uh, for, for who you are, for someone to, to know you? Because uh, there's something, if there's not something, you're just kind of like an uh, egotistical maniac and you're just concerned just with yourself, kind of narcissistic. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> so what is it outside of yourself that, that is part of defining who you are? Because the gospel says this. The gospel says, hey, you, it's not about you. Everything is, is not about you. Um, it's not about your abilities. It's not about your goals. Uh, it's not about your, uh, your passions. It's not about your accomplishments. It says to you that everything is about, actually about someone else. And even that you exist for that someone else. That's what matters about you. Now, whether you... you whether you like that or not, you may or may not like that. It really kind of depends on who that person is. Because uh, the gospel is saying that everything is about Jesus. So who is Jesus? What, what is the letter telling us that, that what matters about Jesus? That's the question I want to ask. Uh, I'd say that's one of the most important questions that we uh, can be asking. We have a few things that are said to us here of who Jesus is. Uh, to recognize that maybe we just talk about Jesus enough, but that, that, that there's a history to it. Uh, it says uh, that this is the one who was uh, promised beforehand through his prophets uh, in the Holy Scriptures. There's been a history, there's been an expectation and a longing uh, for, for years, for centuries, for millennia, from the beginning as, uh, as Adam and Eve uh, failed in the garden and everything uh, went downhill uh, from there. Or turned blue or something. It's going to distract me if it doesn't go. Uh, but ever since the beginning, God made a promise that he wouldn't just leave humanity uh, to our mistakes, to, to how we messed it up, but that he would do something uh, about it, that he would send uh, someone who would rescue us. And the scriptures all the way through from beginning to end are proclaiming God's promise and the fulfillment of it that's in Jesus. So, so Jesus wasn't just some kind of newcomer who came to the came to the scene and who uh, one of many world religions and great religious leaders who was able to gather you know, enough of a following to him that we still talk about uh, him today. Um, he was the, the fulfillment of God's promise from the beginning, who all of the scripture is about. Uh, he's described in what scripture considers kind of the apex and the high point of the title that uh, can be given that Jesus is described as the Son, as God's a son, the eternal a son of God. Uh, I don't know if y'all followed uh, the stories this summer. I kind of uh, laughed at all the hype uh, about the uh, about the royal baby. Um, and everyone, you know, it's all in the news here, there, and the other wise. And everyone's waiting, and when's the baby going to be born, and what are they going to name him? And finally, the royal baby's born, there's the announcement, and then you still have to wait a few more days to find out the Prince George, you know, it's here. And uh, I, mean, I was a little bit offended uh, certainly, certainly slightly confused. Uh, my son Thomas, I think he's pretty great. He was born like you know a week or more before Prince George. He did not get nearly the international attention 
Um, and you know, I tried writing to some of the newspapers, and um, I don't know, they just didn't didn't publish it. Um, what was going on? But God's son deserves all the hype. Um, Jesus is presented as God's son because he stands to inherit not just the royal throne, the British throne. He stands to inherit everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Everything. Uh, this is who God has sent to be the rescuer of humanity. And not that he's uh, so far above us and beyond us that we're, that we're just like only in all of him, but also that he entered into the chaos with us uh, and for us to represent us and to rescue us. And that's the kind of prince or king or lord that I get excited about hearing the news of. Uh, doesn't stand above, but comes out to rescue. Uh, the passage describes it uh, this way uh, in terms of that he is uh, descended from David according to the flesh, uh, but also declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit uh, of holiness. Um, that as David's son, he is he's the look-to rescuer for God's people. He's the one promises David's son who would be the Messiah, who would be anointed as a representative, like pour oil over, call that anointing, to be a chosen person that would rescue, that would be the one that you would look to for rescue and for hope and for salvation. Uh, so for the people of Israel, how it went for David as their king was how their fortunes went for them. And God sent Jesus out to the world saying, here's the chosen one. How it goes for him is how there is hope for, for anyone else. Uh, and he comes fulfilling God's promise and has more than just a kingly title, uh, but is declared by the power of the Spirit to have a divine title, uh, God declared God's Son by the Spirit, uh, in power. In other words, Lord of the universe, reigning over everything. That's why everything is about Jesus, and this is the good news of who he is, uh, because part of the central truth of what matters about Jesus is in this uh, phrase, the resurrection from the dead. Uh, which, yes, that just means some of you are just familiar with this enough that you forget how weird it is. Uh, others of you aren't, and you're like, that's really weird. Because we believe that there was a man who died and who was really dead. And not only a little bit dead, but like really, really all the way dead. And then he was alive. But not just kind of alive, all the way alive, and not just alive the way we're alive, but alive uh, never more to die. Uh, immortal and eternal and with fullness of life and actually being the source of life. That's what happened uh, to Jesus. It's what Scripture tells us, but that he did so as a representative. That he went through uh, death suffering for us uh, because we deserve death because we've offended God. But he wanted to rescue us and sent Jesus. And sent Jesus as God's representative uh, winning for us what we can't do. Life in God's, uh, he wins for us life in, in God's love. Secure in, in God's love and love and life that lasts uh, past death to a new creation. This is the hope that scripture proclaims uh, to uh, believers because of who Jesus is. Because everything is about him. So how does that matter to you? I mean, Scripture talk about eternal hope, uh, forgiveness, uh, love, uh, purpose that it gives you to your, to your life. But I just want to focus you on one thing, to just say how freeing that is. That everything is about Jesus and not you. 
and not uh, about me. And that's a wonderful basic truth that it's not about you, but it's about someone else, and that someone else uh, is Jesus. Because right, we all like have our little daydreams of like what our day is going to go like or where our future will be. You know, by the end of these four years, I'll graduate out of this GPA, and here's, here's the kind of job I'll be setting into and how my life will go. Or here's the kind of person I will have matched up with and the life that we'll be planning together. And we always like create these different things or even just like plans for our day. Um, but you ever notice how like, we're always the centerpiece of what's going to happen that we're thinking about. We always kind of imagine ourselves as the star, not as like the sidekick to the day. <laughs> I'm going to go through the day, and my friend's going to be so awesome, and I'm going to be there and kind of uh, remind them of that joke, and they'll all laugh, and then it'll go on being about that other person. Right? That's not like what we dream about. But we imagine it all being about us, what we, what we want for things. Um, I think the question that we ask most is, is what do I want? What do I want to do today? Um, what do I want to eat? Uh, what, what do I want to watch right now? What do, I, what do I want to major in? What class do I want to go to? Um, who do I want to hang out with? What is, what is it that I want? And we expect that to be fulfilling until we get it. And then we say, what else do I want? I still want something more. I we're constantly going to something more, something more. What is it that I want that's going to fulfill me? Because we can't survive with everything being about us. Because it still doesn't, it doesn't sustain it. We can't sustain the attention of everything uh, being a, about us or handle the, the uh, pressure or be enough to fulfill it all, even just enough to fulfill just our friends' expectations uh, about us, but much less uh, being the center of more than that. Um, and if your own experience isn't a good enough example for you, uh, just take uh, Miley Silas's uh, recent performance uh, from Hannah Montana to, I don't know, um, can't handle everything, all the attention being about us. We can't sustain it. I said, what, uh, what matters about you? The gospel says everything is about Jesus and not about ourselves. He introduces the gospel as being the gospel of Jesus. He also goes on to say, secondly, that it's the gospel uh, for obedience. Second point if you're uh, following along. Uh, verse, verse 5, he talks about the, the obedience of faith. That Paul has received uh, grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So it's the gospel for obedience. Now, I'm sure I've like, lost some of you right now. You're like, where's the door? Is it going to make a loud uh, noise when I leave? Because who wants to talk about obedience, right? You're like, great, uh, I knew it. Um, this is just another moralistic, rule-following uh, group of a bunch of hypocrites who judge others and try to lay down. This is the way you have to do it. It's just there to uh, confine and, and lift up some other propaganda. I mean, who even likes the word obedience? We typically don't get excited uh, when we hear that. We think obedience is just a word used to oppress other, another person's desire. Um, maybe you don't say it that way. That's what I often think anyway. Um, it, it's something that tries to get in our way to squelch the fun that, that we want to have. Um, but still, I want you to get, and I think you know, that the actions matter. Um, actions still matter. Uh, everyone, in some sense, even is a, a rule following some kind of rule. Uh, follow, maybe it's following their own rule, uh, maybe it's following just the rules of the culture around them, or maybe it's just following the rules of your particular set of friends, or what you see uh, in your culture. But still, actions matter. Go back to the introduction, basic questions. Uh, after college, you don't usually ask what's your major. People aren't still majoring in something, maybe. Um, you ask, what do you do? Uh, and you ask that question because you expect it to matter, how that person spends their time, what they're, what they're focused on. Uh, in fact, I think actions are a big reason why many people dislike Christianity. Um, what it does or, or doesn't do. 
Uh, if they see it as, as being something that just promotes uh, bigoted, oppressive, judgmental uh, actions while they're still all kind of wrongdoing in a messed up place that's not any better than the culture around it but just hides it, I don't really like Christianity for what it does. Uh, or if you see it's not helping the poor, uh, caring for the needy, looking outside of itself, you're not real impressed with it. Uh, a lot of, if you even ask whether people in Christianity or other, reason, re, other religions the reasons for following the religion that they do, uh, one of the answers that you often uh, get is, <coughs> is because of what it does for them. Not I follow this because of, because of what it does for me, because of the comfort that it gives me, because of the peace uh, that, it, that it gives to me. Well, this is what the gospel uh, does for you. It produces the obedience of faith or of trusting. Uh, faith being not just this power to really believe strongly. It means rely on something. Um, Faith that's not just relying on ourselves to do well enough, uh, not just looking at ourselves and saying, here, I'm a Christian, I'm going to be a good enough rule follower. I see these things that Jesus says, and I can't do them, but I'm looking around at these other people, and I can do a little bit better than them. Uh, that's not the obedience of faith. That's the obedience of self-righteousness, which is disobedience. Uh, it's trying to be good on your own. Uh, faith is, is looking outside of ourselves, relying on Jesus and trusting what he has done and what he says that we should do. Um, basically, it's the idea of this obedience of faith, it's like you see Jesus in the Great Commission saying, I'm teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. But what it is about that is a following Jesus saying, he knows, I don't know, I lean on him and look to him. Because I know I can't trust myself. I can't get it together. I can't do it well enough. And I'm not going to keep pretending that I can. I'm going to say openly that I need Jesus Instead, we can be honest about our inability to do what God wants. Uh, we can be honest about our mistakes, uh, our failures. We can even admit our, our shame and our guilt. Uh, we could be a community that instead of trying to impress one another and say, yeah, I really am a good Christian too, uh, these are the things that, that we can actually be real or authentic. Right? And, and speak about the ways we tr- struggle, the ways that we find it difficult to believe in the gospel, to believe that God would love us, that he would care about us, that we matter, that he matters when, when you're here in college. And there's a lot else that says to you it matters more. Uh, if you're honest, you can admit, yeah, this is hard. I don't know how to, what to do with this. Uh, in Christianity, we call that often confession of sin. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Admitting that we're not enough, but that we actually need Jesus. And so leaning on Jesus, Christians find their desires and their behaviors begin not to change, uh, but actually from the heart, um, actually wanting to do what Jesus says, uh, believing uh, that that's what's really good. Not because I'm going to be really good, but because Jesus was really good, and this is what he told me. It actually seems like a lot of things are going to be more fun right now. But I actually think Jesus knows better, and that he cares about me, and that he's good, and everything's about him. And so I want to follow him. That's the obedience of faith, not choosing... What do I want? Uh, and some kind of self-actualization uh, through an existential, existential choice of like, which TV station you're going to watch or which kind of cereal is your type of cereal. Um, but uh, instead, what Jesus wants matters more to you. Um, I just said earlier that, that we're not our own, but we belong to him. That's the obedience of faith that the gospel actually brings about. And what I want you to see is that that's actually a relief. 
listen, some of you come uh, Christian backgrounds or religious backgrounds or even outside of that, and you just come feeling like there's always some standard that you have to meet. And you've faked it uh, for years. You've put on the expectations that the people around you have told uh, you that you should have. Maybe you've done it pretty well. Uh, maybe that feels like you fall on your face time again and you're tired of it. Um, what this is telling you is it's not about your success. Jesus has been a successful, and Jesus draws you to himself and says, lean on me. You be in a state of relying on me that I've done everything for you, and I can work in you and change you, not so that finally you get to be good enough or better, so that you know my love, my care for you, and the place that I give you. He's calling you out into something uh, different that's gospel freedom, uh, that's a relief, because the worst thing that God could do would just be to leave us to our own actions. All right, here you all. If anyone can impress, impress me, then, you know, bring it on. Or whoever can impress everyone else more in their religiousness, those will be kind of the top to you, and I'll, I'll take them. Will your success be enough? Have you achieved already? What do you expect to achieve? What do you expect to be able to do? Um, and when you think about even that, do you fear the eventual response from someone after all your efforts saying, oh, really? That's what you do? In, in a sense, it's kind of, is that all? That, that, that's all you do, do with your life? It's depressing if it depends on our success. It's scary. Because failure alludes. But Jesus fulfilled all obedience for us and called all to follow him but to follow him in humility, uh, in love, in truth, but in mercy, and in continual repentance, and continual acknowledging our wrongs, and lean on him instead. What really matters about what you do? Is it this way? What matters about the gospel is Jesus that brings about the gospel, that brings about the obedience of faith. Uh, and thirdly, Paul introduces the gospel, not just a gospel of Jesus and a gospel for obedience, but it's a gospel to all. Uh, I see this a few places, but in verse 5 and 6 he says, uh, the, the, faith, uh, the obedience of faith to the stake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong uh, to Jesus. Uh, the gospel is not just for Christians. The gospel is not just for those uh, in the West those who already believe it, or for Americans, or, or for rural people, but not for city people, or for city people and not for rural people. Uh, the gospel has a global and universal implication for everyone in every time, uh, in every culture, and in every place. And so it also includes those in Rome at the time Paul was writing it, and so it also includes uh, you, Florida State, and Tallahassee. Uh, it matters about you. It's the gospel to all. Uh, and and maybe I'm reading this a little bit wrong, but I love the way that Paul puts this. I think in the relation to other scripture, you see a little bit more about it. He, he goes further, right? He says uh, a little bit later, uh, verse um, uh, 14, uh, 14 into 15, um, under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, and so to you. <laughs> uh, right? Essentially, he's, he's saying this goes to the cultured, and to the uncultured, it goes to those who are uh, the intellectuals and the successful people, uh, as well as to uh, the score of failures, the foolish. And it goes to you. And all of a sudden you realize, wait, which, which category do I fall into? I'm one of them. Which, which one does he think I am? 
And as soon as you ask that question, you realize you're an elitist because it matters to you which category you got put in. And she's saying the gospel goes out uh, to all. Um, the, the gospel is not just selective of only the best. That's, that's not the way it works. Now, some of you uh, reform folks, take, take it easy. We're not talking about uh, God's sovereignty and salvation of election. This is, this is talking about the free offer of the gospel, uh, and it is beautiful. Uh, and it is all through Scripture. Uh, and Christians should be passionate about it. Christianity often meets with the objection of uh, we're too exclusive. Jesus is the saying that Jesus is the only way. Uh, and Christianity wants to be clear that Jesus is the only way. Uh, and Christianity is not alone in excluding, right? A lot of the clubs or groups at FSU are somewhat exclusive or at least focused on a particular, uh, whether it's interest group or nationality or having enough money to, or a certain style. Um, and, and some of those you're just not interested in. Like they're great clubs. You're glad they're there. You're glad they're there for people to enjoy it, but you just say it's not you. Um, we're sports. I mean, you're good at sports. And you say, ah, this is my sport. That's not my sport. Uh, personally, I'm glad that FSU has like one of the top recruiting classes every year because we select only the best for our football team. And so we're going to destroy Pitt on Monday. Uh, but that also means that I couldn't make the team. Uh, or or, or <coughs> a lot of other things. Um, and the gospel's different. Because the gospel applies to all. Uh, to everyone, even if you grew up an atheist or, or Muslim or burn out on, on Christianity, or, or even if you've already found uh, spirituality in something else that feels comforting to you. Uh, it's making a claim about Jesus as Lord of all, as Lord over all, and as such as the only rescuer for all. And that's news that says applies to everyone. It doesn't confine it uh, uh, by, by race, by social status, by economic status, by uh, intellectual achievement or other, other success. It's not about jockeying for position uh, or status by what you've done or moral achievement or your service or other things you can put on a resume. Um, in fact, if you find yourself uh, being a minority in a Christian crowd, whether that's because of the color of your skin, uh, the shape of your nose, uh, maybe the style of your, uh, the style of your, your clothes, or even just your, your, your preference in movies. Like, I don't know if it's like the same movies that I like. I just don't know if I fit in with these people. Um, that's a beautiful and wonderful thing because it's a time that the gospel goes out to all. The people who like, like the really sad or the really mushy romantic comedies and people who like just laugh stuff or serious or scary movies. Or, or what. But the gospel actually goes out to all and it applies to them. And please note that all are, are welcome. And actually that distinguishing features actually help to emphasize uh, the beauty of Christ as Lord over all, bringing all types uh, together because it's a gospel to all. And that's so much better than some kind of broad inclusivity where everything is just bland um, and disagreement with inclusivity is excluded and, and not allowed and prohibited. Uh, it's so much better than trying to be selective of, by being the best. Where you're looking around going, where do I fit in this room? Am I like the most attractive person? Am I the funniest person? I'm more athletic than a lot of these people. I bet I'm, I bet I'm wittier. I bet, I bet if I was in this room, I could like, and we start thinking that way. And for the gospel, there's no bouncer at the door checking your credentials. It goes to all. It's open for all. 
even if you have no interest in entering, not for the intellectuals alone, not for the fools alone, not for the successful alone or the failures alone, I'm not better than or smarter than, no elite, it's to all. And so also, to you who are at FSU, to you who are in Tallahassee, there's only two levels. There's Jesus, and there's everyone else. And there's everyone else who's united in him. It's the community that we long for. Well, hopefully that gives you a little bit of an introduction to this book, an introduction to the gospel, that you know something of what matters about it. Uh, hopefully it leaves you wanting to develop that relationship further, have more of a connection in it, because the book of Romans gives you all of that and goes into the depths of it. But I want to come back to the question because I want to encourage you to continue to ask it. I ask you to begin. What matters about you? If you're introducing yourself and to get someone else to actually know something about you, what matters about you? What matters about what you do or what you hope to do? How would you introduce yourself? Is there more than just your own self-image that actually matters? Is there something bigger than your accomplishments, however great or little you think they are, even bigger than what you dream of accomplishing? Are you part of something bigger uh, that actually matters to all, in all places, times, and cultures? Or are you just trying to establish uh, your niche among a community of like-minded people? Like it or not, Jesus says, you belong to him because you exist and because he is Lord over all. But he calls you into a relationship of trust that you would lean on him because he alone is the rescuer, the deliverer, uh, the savior who brings God's love to us that we can't get for ourselves. And he's with us. And he is who really matters about all of us.